The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. My name is Becca Reniker. And I guess brief a little bit about myself. I'm a graduate of the University of Washington. Go dogs. And I graduated in 2011, lived on 17th in a Greek house when I was here in school. And it was here that I would find myself on Tuesday nights. Um, I found myself on uh, where you're sitting right now on the carpet. And um, I would just say that this community, this space was really a transformational place for my faith journey. And in the ways um, that you find yourself here tonight, I just want to say welcome. On behalf of me and the staff, we're so glad that you're here. And if this is your first time, I just say, like, I want you guys to know that before you believe anything, you belong here. You're welcome here. You're wanted here. That My hope is the perception that you have of us tonight is we're a community that wants to pursue you and bring you in, um, bring you into this community. And so to give context as to what we've been going and doing so far this year, um, we spent time um, kicking off the year going through a... Uh, series um, that really got at their reality that we are God's love, that we are God's chosen people. And as we wrap that up, I have the honor to kick us off on a new series that we're titling The Big Small, Seeing the Substance in the Small Stuff. And specifically tonight, we are going to hone in our vision. And I see that in the way of almost a microscope tonight. We're going to look to the small things to see how the kingdom of God is among us in the small things. As we so often are trying to look for God in the big things or look for life in the big things where he really is residing is in the small stuff. Um, that's, and that's where we get to encounter the kingdom of God. Before we get into that, I thought first, when I say kingdom of God, I think there might be some misunderstandings in the room, or I also want to give context to what is the kingdom of God when we refer to it. Um, so I'm going to fill this, uh, or build this foundation for us before we get into the text tonight. But the kingdom of God, from my perspective, I think we have to go and look Firstly, at Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. We find it um, in the Old Testament. And in the first few chapters of the book, it's telling the story of what God is doing. It describes God as he's come and he's created the heavens and the earth. And he's come in and he's breathed life over the dust and created Adam. And he's created Eve. And he created this area called the Garden of Eden for them to reside in. And this garden is really this kingdom of God um, that we're going to get at tonight. And while Adam and Eve get to live in this garden, they experience the fullness of life that God intends for all of us to live. It's in this garden where they feel like they belong. They feel loved on. They wake up every day knowing their purpose. They feel joy rise up within them. They know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. They hang out with God. They walk with him. They, they laugh with him. They, they are this clarity of the confusion and doubts that we have. Like they got to experience the fullness of doing life with God. Like that was the garden experience for them. That was the kingdom experience for them. Knowing that intimacy with God. And I heard somebody describing the kingdom of God before and, 
um, they talked about, you know, like little kids who just don't want to go to bed at night. Like that is what the kingdom of God is. Like they're too excited to be awake that they just don't want to go to bed. Like the day can't not be over. And if you somehow do get them in bed, they're up at four, they're up at five, they're up at six because life is too good to be sleeping. You know, they, they, they want to take the day on. There's so, too many fun games to play. Like that's the, that's the, the feeling that we have when we get to experience the fullness of God fullness of the kingdom. But the story unfolds, and we read that Eve does eat of the fruit and from the tree, and she sinned against God, and that is when it changed everything. That's when sin and brokenness entered into the world. But the good news that we read about in this book is that God had a rescue plan. He had a rescue mission, where he sent his son to serve as a pure and blameless sacrifice for all of humanity to bring us back into right relationship with God so that we could experience glimpses of that heaven, glimpses of that garden here and now. And what's heartbreaking to me and I know for you is that so many of us might go through our days from sunup to sundown over and over and over and not even knowing that the life that we are intended to live is meant to be so much more than what we're settling for. Like Jesus came and he said, I've come to give life and I've come to give abundant life. I think he really meant it when he said it. And if it's true, then what is going on? Where's the disconnect that's happening that we're not experiencing this fullness of life? And Jesus, I think, knew we wouldn't miss the point because he spent all of his time walking around declaring to the crowds and to his disciples saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's at hand. It's like, Christina, it's like this close. Yeah, right, see right there. Like the kingdom of God is that close to us. We can rush, we can reach out and feel it. But in, but because it's almost invisible to us, we can't see it with a naked eye. We still often forget that's even there and available for us to interact with, to engage in. And not is it only close for us to encounter, but we also get to be vessels for God. It's an honor that he would use us to release heaven onto earth in relationships uh, with each other to advance the kingdom, uh, to grow the kingdom experience. And so that's a little bit of what I'm talking about tonight when I refer to the kingdom of God. And um, what we're going to read tonight really gets that, that Jesus is pulling, God is pulling for all the kingdoms of this world, all of the land to come under that covering of the kingdom of God, that heaven on earth experience um, because it because it creates restoration, it creates peace, it creates all these things inside of us. And so as we get into this series called The Big Small, um, there's a reality going on in our world. There's the real life that kicks in when we kind of forget about this idea that we can experience the kingdom of God. And so we often are going to the world to try to fill this thing that we're longing for, Right? Uh, we might be looking for it, for these things that will bring life, that's going to bring steadiness to the chaos that's going on, that's going to bring stability to um, everything, that's going to tell us what our identity is, right? When I was in college, I knew for me, it's like the next big relationship, you know? That relationship, if I get it, then that thing, that person's going to tell me that I'm, that I'm beloved, that I'm, that I'm chosen by them, you know? Or maybe 
It's looking for, the, for our major. I knew that I was seeking after this major because I thought, okay, if I don't get into this major, then I'm not gonna get the summer internship and then I'm not gonna get the dream job post-grad life. And so we were constantly trying to pursue things to set our future up for success, right? To take away that, that underlying stress that's going on. Or maybe it's just the reality that the demand of life is too tough. And so what is the next weekend road trip getaway? Like what adventure are we going on to whose cabin, to what mountain to just go and get away? All these things are good. All these things really, I want to disclaimer, these things are good. God desires good gifts for his children, right? But there's something to be said that if we were to look at why we did or what or why we do what we're doing, there's a core root reason of why it's happening, why it's going on. And Jesus wants us to really be honest with ourselves about what is going on underneath the surface? What's going on underneath in our hearts? Why are we doing what we're doing? Why are we seeking after what we're seeking after? Is it bringing me, is it leading me to eternal life? Our eyes are constantly scanning the endless opportunities in hopes of finding that which imparts life. And Jesus, I think, is tugging at our hearts to redirect our gaze tonight. And that's an invitation I'm going to have for us to take our eyes off these big things that we're seeking after, the majors, the relationships, you can fill in the blank, whatever it looks like for you, and back on to refocus, to recenter ourselves on the unassuming small things we might just find have big ramifications for our life in. So as we said, the series title is Big Small, and if you're taking notes tonight, the sermon title is called What It Becomes, because as we look at what is small, we're actually going to engage, what is it carrying? What is it going to become for us? And so um, before, I guess, we get into that, I would love to pray for our evening here together. So please, bow your heads and pray with me. Abba Father, um, thank you that you're present in this room. Thank you that you want to impart this abundant life for us, Lord. Thank you that you're not going to let us put more band-aids over the realities that are going on in our life, God, that you want to take them off and you want to do a deep inner healing in, the, in this room tonight, God. You want to show us that there's life in the small things. There's life in the little seed that's so unexpected, but it leads to kingdom life, God. And so I just pray that our ears will be open to what you have to say um, and that our hearts can receive the message that you have for us tonight, God. I pray this room encounters your love. Remove anything from my mouth and my mind that's not of you, God. And I just pray um, that this room would just be flooded with uh, your joy and your presence tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the text for the night is a parable of the mustard seed. Um, so it's going to be, if, uh, the text is found in Mark 4, or Mark 4, verses 30 to 34. Um, but if you've never heard of what a parable is before. Oh, I get to tell you. So one of the methods that Jesus used um, in communicating his messages to his disciples and his followers um, were these things called parables. And they essentially are these earthly stories that really have heavenly symbolic meaning to them. I mean, he did this so he spoke in these ways um, because for him, he wanted his disciples and those who were seeking out truth, he wanted to impart understanding to them. Um, uh, and yet at the same time, there was unbelievers who didn't want to hear the truth. They didn't want to know what Jesus said. And so he said, all right, well, you'll be without comprehension and I'm going to withhold this understanding from you. Um, 
And so I'm going to speak in parables. So that's what he does. And it's all over. They're all over the Gospels. And so tonight we're going to look in at, again, I said the parable of the mustard seed. And um, Jesus at this point in the story is surrounded by a lot of people. It says he's surrounded by crowds and he's with his disciples. And this is the, that is the audience in which is engaging this text tonight. So Mark 4, 30 verses uh, through 34. Or 30, yeah. And he said... With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the words to them as they were, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explains everything. And I guess I get the honor as well. Um, so as we think back to this garden idea that we were talking about, this kingdom of God experience, this parable gives evidence to how Jesus envisions the kingdom of God being spread and experienced in this way. What's so radical about what Jesus is implying here is that this tiny mustard seed, which is so minuscule, we have a picture of it um, coming up later for you to see, but it serves as the catalyst for the kingdom. Something this small is going to serve as a catalyst for the kingdom of God. So to give us all on the same page, I want to do a quick, I want to define a quick couple of things. Firstly, who is scattering the seed in this parable? What does it even mean? And what is what does the seed actually represent? So let's look at the who first. So dug into this text and even the parable prior, there's evidence to support that Jesus is referring to himself as the one who is actually scattering the seed on the ground. Yet at the same time, and we'll dig into this a little bit later, Jesus also has invited us to see ourselves as participants in the process. Jesus, through us, us being vessels, get to scatter seeds among our communities with him. Secondly, this tiny mustard seed represents some experience with the kingdom. When I first think of this word, or the first thing that kind of comes to mind might be words that we share with each other, or maybe their actions um, that come to mind. But maybe it's a seed that is sown, might be the message of the gospel shared for the first time. Or maybe it's a word of encouragement that somebody gives you um, in a challenging season. Or maybe it's encounter with God out in the middle of nature. Maybe it's a shared truth that somebody gives you um, that speaks to your current circumstances. Whatever it is, you get to participate in sowing these seeds. And what I hope you're noticing as you're talking about this is that each of these moments, in the earth, each, and each of these moments, these seeds being sown all have a beginning phase. They all have to start somewhere. And when they interact with the heart of somebody over time, God is saying, I am cultivating that seed. I am growing that seed. And I'm growing it into something massive. Have anyone in this room actually seen a mustard tree and tree in full size? Here we go. All right. See up on the screen on the far left, we've got the tiny little, like, little bitty seed. Think like chia seed for us health freaks in here. Chia seed this small, and it's saying that it is going to grow into this enormous tree that's on the right. And it is it. Jesus is talking about the story, saying when we plant it, when we sow it, it's going to, God's going to grow it. And as it grows, it's going to eventually come out and it just puts out these branches. You can imagine it's just, 
you know, becomes this. Starts here, ends up there. And, um, and I think the tree kind of has one of two meanings. I think the tree can be like the actual, like one seed that you speak. Maybe it's like, I don't know, um, Leandra, you're in front of me. Okay, Leandra, I'm going to tell you, you look, I don't know, say I give you like a word of encouragement. And that tree represents over time that encouraging word, like bringing you into the kingdom of God. You got to have that kingdom experience, right? But I also think this tree like right here is like the all-inclusive tree of it all. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit all together, and it's his bride. All God's sons and daughters all together, all the seeds growing up into this massive tree that becomes this place of restoration for the world that grows into something huge with its branches so far out that it covers all of this ground. And it's serving as a symbol for anybody and everybody because God's heart is for all to come and make rest under the tree. I'm captivated thinking about this idea. And I've, I've pondered this more and more. I just get the sense that's so clear that God wants to bring every state, every, every people, every son and daughter that's here on this earth under the covering of this tree. And as I've read through some of the commentaries and kind of done some studying on the tree itself, um, it is, scholars say that people would actually like back then would rest on the branches. Like you could sit with ease on these branches. You could almost fall asleep and take a nap on these on these trees because they're so big. Um, people also say that um, in Asian cultures, they would build their tents under these trees because they knew that the branches would protect them from the weather and just serve as protective barrier. And it's like, that is crazy. Like people are going to make their homes under these trees because they know how protected they're gonna be because of their massive size. And it's interesting because the scripture also gets at um, the reality of that says the birds of the air even come and kind of make up their nest, their home here. And when I first read that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, birds of the air can come and of course would make their home in the trees. Um, but deep, what's really going on in uh, that specific phrase is more than what meets the eye when we first read it. It's actually referencing a story that's in, that's in Ezekiel that's describing almost the same parable. And the birds of the air actually don't mean what we think they mean. The birds of the air is actually representative of the enemy, um, the things that we don't like. Um, I mean, when it's to comparing it to a bird, I mean, think about birds. I don't know if any of you have gone to um, Europe or you've been in those plazas where you just see the birds fighting for the seeds, you know, and they're just, it's like this crazy chaotic scene. Um, and they want to come in and like steal and they take away. Like, I think that's really the image that Mark, the author, is really trying to get at. Um, these birds represent all things that stand against the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying in this, in this parable that even they can take up home and find refuge and its protection. Because that's Father's love. It's radical. It's offensive. It bothers us. But he's saying, my love is for everybody. It's not just for the people that you like or you want to you wanna bring into the tree to live and rest and dine with you. He's saying, it is for all. So what is the invitation from this parable for us tonight? What is it saying for us? The first invitation that I think this parable is inviting us to see tonight is to shift our focus back onto the sower, onto Jesus. And I say this for a couple different reasons. 
And I was thinking about this text, I was thinking about myself in college, and let's be honest, definitely points when this is happening now, but specifically in college. And I became this person that just became so introspective. It was like all that I could think about was internally what was going on with me. You can imagine me, like if, I, if there was a coffee cup in front of me, it's turned upside down and there's no liquid that can get in it because it's up down, right? Like I, I'm thinking about all the things that I've got going on. If the world is trying to interact with me, I don't know. It's like I've got my headphones in all the time and I'm just walking past people like oblivious to the world that's going on around me. And it's in this introspective place that Jesus is trying to interact with me. He's trying to sow these seeds for me and I'm just so not even aware that they're being thrown my way. Like I don't even know that they're there for me. And he's inviting us to say like, and invited me to say, like, Becca, it's time for you to finally flip over your cup because I have things for you. And when you've been so this way, you haven't even seen what I've been providing for you. The people that I've come, that's come across your path to interact with you. The, the, my presence that is ever dwelling with you. The kingdom of God is at hand. That's a hand shake away almost. But this is the grace of God. He's never leaving and he's never stopped scattering seeds for us. He never stops. But he's saying, and I'm saying for us tonight, it is time for us to shift our focus, to turn our cup upright so we can start catching the seeds that he's scattering our way, that he's sowing in our way. A couple uh, months ago, I decided, does anybody have ever gone and done the hike uh, up Poo Poo Point, Issaquah? Anybody in here? Yeah, it's awesome. I'm from Issaquah, our Spanish area. So I decided I just wanted to like get up in the morning, go do something adventurous. We've got a little puppy Kona. She needs to get all her energy out. And so we go on this hike, and I'm stoked. I decided to go by myself. I never go on hikes by myself, but I just felt like I really needed that time to just, my brain was so loud. And so I go on this hike, and I went probably too early in the morning because it was still, like, the, the clouds hadn't burnt off. So as I got higher and higher and higher and higher, it was just like I came into a cloud at the top. Um, and not only was the cloud at the top, but there was totally mist and rain, and I'm just getting, like, totally soaked. Um, but meanwhile, I'm, as I'm going on the hike, I'm asking God for guidance for some stuff, and I'm finally just going, okay, my mind has been so loud and so crazy. God, help me see what you have for me. Help me see the direction that you have for me. And he literally stops me in this place and he goes, so you're on this trail and you see all the fog in you in front of you, right? It's hard to see what's up, ne- up next, right? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, it's okay that you can't see what's up next because I'm with you and I'm walking with you in the fog that's permeating every square inch of the air around you. That's my presence that is hovering over you. It is always with you. It will never depart with you. In the moments, Becca, that you think you're messing up and going the wrong way, my grace, my reign is there and it is coming all over you and it is okay with what you do. That's a seed. That's encounter with God in an unexpected place at an unexpected time. But what it took was me having to turn my posture towards him to reassess my eyes on him and say, what do you have for me in this moment? And he speaks and he sows a seed that helps me come under the covering of that tree to feel like I'm being comforted by the comforter. I woke up to the funniest seed of all seeds. Talk about them growing later in life. I apparently, well, okay, you guys are on Facebook where um, it'll renew, like, or bring up memories um, um, for you. Kid you not, five years ago, when I was an intern for the inn down at Pepperdine, 
I apparently gave my first intern talk tonight, the first time I've ever spoken, five years ago, had no memory of this, but what I woke up to was my old friend named Kelly Toma, who posted this super embarrassing video on my wall that's just like her rocking out in her bedroom and ends like after 30 seconds, it's like, you're gonna kill it tonight, good luck preaching, blah, 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 blah. And it's like five years later, the same word that she spoke to me five years ago totally interacted with me tonight as I'm here standing before you tonight. Like, we don't know what happens when we post silly things on people's walls. An act that simple might interact with somebody five years later thanks to Facebook mentions. Um, And so, like, when I'm saying, like, we're sowing, like, God is sowing seeds and trying to communicate to us, it might come in the so, like, unexpected. These very, like, subtle places that you never thought you would find something, but God will use any and every means to get our attention, right? And those encounters are just so freeing with the Lord because we feel so taken care of. And I just want to say, like, for those of you that are sitting here tonight and you're just saying, like, that's great for you, Becca, but the reality of my life is that I'm, I'm actually trying to see God right now. I'm trying to see the one that you talk about that's sowing seeds, and I'm finding myself coming up short. Like, I don't, I don't know how to hear. I don't know where to find these seeds that I'm sowing, and I'm just going to tell you, pick this up. This is 66 books in the Bible filled with seeds for us that address every emotion of the human heart. There's good stuff for us. Here's a couple nuggets. If you're feeling discouraged, here's a promise for you. <laughs> I'm just going to do it. Psalm 138, 70. If you're feeling discouraged, it says, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against your enemy and your right hand will save me. That's good promise. And he told me, but he just told me through this. It wasn't like I had to have the encounter. If you're feeling alone, John 14, 18 reads, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's an awesome promise by Jesus. If you're feeling hurt, Psalm 147, 3 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Meaning this book is full of seeds. If you need encouragement, if you need to wake up tomorrow morning and read, this thing is living and is active and Jesus wants to encounter you in it. And this is the best place to start. He'll encounter you, and I promise. These are small little verses, but when they plant in your spirit, they plant and they start interacting in here. It is all of a sudden, it's like you're under the, like you're under it. You're under that tree. And it brings rest to our very spirits. And it just reminds us that God is in our corner and he is desiring abundant life for us. Moving forward, I also want to bring to light that this parable is also an invitation to participate with Jesus in scattering seeds. I mentioned earlier that we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, and so God wants to use us as this vessel to, um, to scatter seeds. And so the second thing I want us to hear is that God, and God can use our very little seeds, as little as they might be. And I, and I say this because so often it feels like, this is all I got. You really gonna use this? Like, I want you to hear tonight, like God does value even that little ounce of a seed that you've got because it's a catalyst for the kingdom. We're so quick to disregard that we have anything of value to offer anybody. We think we're not, we're not enough, we're not refined enough, we don't know enough about Jesus to say anything worthy that anybody wants to hear. But Jesus, like when we make assumptions about what God, and can't, God can and cannot do, it's like we're saying like, oh, I'm smarter than you. I'm smarter than the big man upstairs. I know, I know he can't use this. I mean, come on feels like that's a little bit prideful when it comes to telling God what he can and can't do. And I just believe that no matter what 
seed you can give away. God is saying, like, I'm going to use it. And we ought to surrender unbelief of what we assume um, he can, how he can move and work. And I know it's intimidating to step out there, but there is grace in the midst of it all. Jesus isn't saying you need to do this crazy, miraculous thing that is so outside of yourself. What he's saying is, take the next step forward. And my grace is there in meeting you in that, in that mustard seed moment. When we give up a little to the Lord, he leads people to take refuge under the tree and in the kingdom of God. And the world isn't going to be able to see it unless we plant it. They're not going to see it grow unless it's planted. And despite what you think, I think it can really go a long way. You really can't determine how God will cultivate and grow something. I want to hit back to, as we think about giving away seeds, I think all of us in this room are probably thinking, like, there's just people on that come to mind that we're probably excited to impart seeds to, to love on, to, uh, to, to take care of, whether it's our family, our roommates, um, people that we just do life with. But Jesus also mentioned in the parable that it's the birds of the air that also come and take up refuge. It's they that find a home. They want to build a nest, a home in our kingdom. And especially at this week, our country is experiencing such a challenging time, and there's pain. People, there's people are in this room sitting here tonight that are in deep pain. And I just want to be the first one to acknowledge where you're at. And we're all God's children. We're all his sons and daughters. We're all his sons and daughters, and there's no other mentality in this room. Jesus is calling us to a type of faith that would bridge that type of division, that would bridge what is obvious that's come following this election. Because when we're not coming together, when we're not embracing the other, what we're doing is, what's happening is it's impacting friendships, it's impacting our campus, it's impacted our houses, our roommates, the people that we live, our, opinion, our opinions about certain things are, are creating this divide we need to be people where our faith is what is compelling us to come together, compelling us to extend love, to extend mercy, to extend grace, to say, I want to know your story. I want to be curious about what you're experiencing, not make assumptions about what you're thinking or the pain that you're, that you're going through. We all have our circumstances and we all have what we bring to the table. And Jesus is saying, it's even the birds of the air. It is the other that no matter what you think, I'm for them. And what Jesus, Jesus did what the Father did. And he's inviting us into that journey to follow after him, to walk like him, to talk like him, to think like him, to be Jesus to the world. And Jesus is the world is saying, I'm for you and you can come and rest in my kingdom right here. No matter, no matter who you are, what you think, your opinions, he's saying, come and rest in the tree and I'm for you. My hope is that people who are here tonight experience that in this community because that is what we're about. The third invitation that comes, it comes from a quick story, um, that Jesus, uh, another text that Jesus references, um, the mustard seed again. Um, and so... We're going to read this. It doesn't, it's not going to take too long, but I felt like we couldn't be talking about these seeds without acknowledging that there's got to be some sort of backing of faith with it, right? So we're going to toss up Matthew 17, verses 14 through, I think it's 20, 21. And what is it? What I love about the story is that we actually see Jesus engaging what he taught in the parable in real life. 
Like, it's not just this high-level story anymore. It's like, I'm, we're living this out. This is an experience. This is an encounter. If any of you were at YLC Getaway, it was like such a gift because Steve even kind of talked about this. So maybe it's a refresher, but here we go. Matthew 17, 14 through 21. Story of Jesus healing a boy with a demon. It starts, And when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and he suffers terribly, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they cannot heal him. And Jesus answered, Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? What I really think he's saying is like, when are you going to get it? That's really what Jesus is saying. Bring him here to me. Bring your son to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, wait, what? why could we not cast it out? And he said to him, because of your unbelief. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. So what are we seeing in this story? All right, we just heard that there's this father who's deeply concerned about his son. And he's come to Jesus asking for the deliverance of his son. And the man says, Jesus, I first went to your disciples and I asked them to cast this out and they couldn't do it. So now I'm coming to you. And so the next thing we see is Jesus engages his own faith and he, and he rebukes the demon and right away it's healed instantly. And then this is what I want us to look at. The disciples come to him and they're like, Jesus, how did you do this? What, what was it that you did that we didn't do, right? And Jesus says, because of your unbelief, it was your unbelief that kept this from happening. Disciples weren't convinced that the power of God could break off of that which was binding the boy. The story gets at something that is so pivotal for us to catch as a community, right? Jesus is telling us in this moment that God can use our little faith, our little mustard seeds of faith to move mountains. And this is so important in our community because our neighborhood is so in need of people that are willing to say, I'm going to be a mountain mover. I'm not going to be intimidated by what I see. I'm not going to have fear rise up within me. I'm going to be able to look at these mountains and say, you will move from here to here. Our university depends on it because Jesus says, I have come so people have life and life to the full. I want to bring them under the cover of the tree. I want them to have that rest, that real rest, that restoration, not life. He's desperate for us to be able to come to life, to wake up out of the slumber, to break off the strongholds and the chains that bind us so badly. Like Jesus is saying, this is how it's going to be done and requires this little, 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 little bit of ounce of faith. That's all it takes. And faith isn't necessarily not having doubt because I think we can look at things and be like, hmm, I don't know. But I think he's saying it's not complete without that, but it's being the person that's willing to say, despite how I'm feeling emotionally, despite what I'm seeing, I'm going to obey. I'm going to be obedient. I'm just going to be faithful. God has never asked us to produce anything. He's never said, you're responsible for the outcome. He has just said, I've just asked you to be faithful. I've asked you to show up and pray. And if you don't see anything happen, keep showing up and keep praying. I've heard somebody say that, we love our God as soon as possible prayers. Make this happen. Jesus saying, actually, it might take as long as possible prayers. 
And that means continuing to show up and continuing to invest and continuing to come and knock on the throne room. This kind of stuff requires us to step out in faith. I got this phone call from my dad a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to lie, when I listened to my dad's voicemail, I felt very nervous. Um, He invited me, and I did it this last Friday, um, to go down to visit his best friend, Mike. And Mike and my dad have been buds since, like, high school, I think. And my dad is, like, 63 now, so they've been friends for a super long time. And he said, I've got to the point where... I just need you to get in the car with me and drive down to Puyallup to visit him because at this point I don't know what to do anymore and your sister keeps telling me to have you come with me. <laughs> like, what? And my dad unraveled the fact that Mike has just, and we, our family has known this, but he's just really struggled with addiction and alcoholism and he's gotten to the point that like his liver maybe has six months left. It's maybe the life that he has left to live. And despite his liver not functioning more, his kidneys are wearing out, his mind isn't all the way there, his brain, his memory has been damaged. There are just things about him. But Mike told my dad, if Becca comes, I want her to pray with me. (laughs) You want me to go all the way out there and pray with him? And I'm just sitting here and I, I go through all the pros and cons and I'm like, all right, like, if you can tell me, like, you don't have enough faith to make a difference, to make a change, so I got in the car with my dad last Friday morning and we drove down to Puyallup and we come into this facility that he's staying at and it was awesome. We had a chapel there. So we went to go to the chapel together and over the next hour, it was just like, I can't even describe. I've never been in something like this. Even though I'm standing up here, you think this is natural for me. It's so unnatural for me. But it was just this conversation that went back from conversation, led to prayer, from conversation to prayer. And what happened is I got to tell him how much Jesus loved him. He never knew that guilt was never from God. He never heard that before. I was like, what? God, that's not him? I'm like, no. He loves you. He came to remove that burden from you. And he got to just have this like reawakening to how God thought and how God saw him. I, was, I told him the Psalm, um, it's Psalm 34, 5, that says, those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered in shame. I was like, Mike, when you turn to God, when you look at him, he sees you as radiant. His eyes are getting all misty and he like can't comprehend really what I'm saying. And then he starts saying like, oh, I'm too worthless. Like I don't deserve any of this. And I was like, Mike, what do you love about yourself? What do you like about yourself? And he had a hard time articulating it. So I was like, Dad, what do you love about Mike? I needed him here, like truth, the renew his mind, right? And eventually as time went on, Mike just said, here's all the things that's going on with my body and I need you to pray. And my dad and I joined together in faith and we prayed for him and we prayed. And I don't necessarily know the outcome. It's only been a few days, but I believe that something changed inside his body. Something is going on. Something is stirring. I felt the presence of God so strong with us. And it's like, Lord, I know that when I walked into that room, and I know when I left, that the only, or I guess like the only way that I had courage to even walk into that space and believe that I could make a difference is because Jesus said, the power that rose in me from the dead lives on the inside of you. It is living in you. Do, do we realize what that means? Like, have we really thought about the fact that we can access he who lives and dwells in our body? 
Like our body is a temple that houses one of the parts or like one part of the Trinity of God. Like that is radical. So when I get to walk in this room and when you get to go back to your living communities and interact with your roommates and interact with your friends, we get to remember that this guy, Holy Spirit, who's like our best friend, wants to, wants to work with us and wants to partner with us because he wants to bring everybody that's in front of you, anybody that you can see with your eye, under the covering of the kingdom, under the tree. And he has rest for them and he has good things for them. He has that life, that abundant life that Jesus talks about. That's what he has for us. And he's saying, you don't need to have this much faith. He just said, I can work with this. This is all it takes. And I just need you to summon up a little bit of this and keep showing up. And yes, you might not see breakthrough right away, but we gotta keep showing up and we keep showing up and we gotta fight. We gotta fight for love, we gotta fight for breakthrough. We gotta fight for the things that our friends need, our family needs. I'm worked up, okay. <laughs> so this is what I want us to do in worship. As we go into this time of worship right now, this, imagine this room to be like your experience for the next, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes or so. You might need to experience Jesus sowing a seed in your life. And he wants to. So maybe that is just taking the time to reflect, to be with him, to meditate on the, on the words that come up in song. Imagine, like I said, the kingdom of God, which is in reach of us tonight, that is all around us in this room. He's saying, I want to come, I'm here, and I'm here to interact with you. I want to speak to you tonight. Ask him, what is he saying? What, is he, what, are you, what does he want you to hear tonight? And secondly, this is a room full of community and friends. We could lean on one another. One of you might be more in a place to, of overflow than somebody else. And it's okay. If you come here tonight and you're like, I got nothing to give away, that's okay. Because that's why we have community to come. And I would just encourage you to go back to the prayer station in the back and just ask for healing. Ask for words of encouragement. Ask for seeds. Whatever they are, just come. Let us be a community that would lean on one another, that would engage each other and be vulnerable with where we're at and just say, I'm tired of looking for the big stuff. I'm tired of seeking after these things that are not really giving me life. I desire to have that abundant life that Beck is talking about tonight. Because he has it and it's available. So I'm just going to pray over us for this time that we would experience the substance and the small matters tonight that our vision would be renewed, that our minds would be renewed to think from heaven's perspective about what is going on in the space tonight. So please bow your heads and pray with me. Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you that you're in the room right now. It is without doubt that you're here, God. And I just pray that you would be prompting our hearts to respond, to remember that our little seed matters, that the little measure of faith matters that we carry, God. Lord, would you be realigning our vision off the big stuff and down to the little things, the small things that are life that are subtle, but they're an invitation to stepping out into maybe it's a little greater faith than we've ever had, or it's just even acknowledging that we have a seed to give somebody else, Lord. I pray this room would be a space that's encouraging, that is just speaking truth tonight over one another, Lord, and I just pray, God, that your kingdom come, your will be done in Larson Hall as it is in heaven right now, Lord. Would you come, would you move us, would you just draw us into closer relationship with us, God? We love you, and we just thank you for who you are and what you're going to accomplish in this dream tonight, God. And tonight is just the beginning phase. Thank you for the ways that you're going to grow these seeds that take place in this room into bigger and bigger plants and trees. We love you. Amen.